And my biggest fear was dying under anesthesia, trying to prevent a disease I don't have yet. And just yeah. that, that was in, like a, in a loop in my head that I just kept having. Welcome to Hey Awesome Girl with Tibby Jones. Every week we interview amazing boss babes in tech, medicine, law, entrepreneurship, entertainment, parenting, and more about their lives, their goals, their why, in order to discover how every day they're working to add more pleasure, ease, and abundance in their orbit. This show is part business advice, part life coaching, part real talk with girlfriends. If you're looking for a show that's real and relatable, but also inspiring at the same time, this is the one for you. I'm your host. I'm Tibby Jones. I'm founder and CEO of the creative agency, Hey Awesome Girl. I'm dog mom to Olivia, the cutest little dog on earth. And I am someone who loves a good true crime podcast. Honestly, anything from Wondery or Dateline is my shit. Okay. In my professional career, I have grown businesses and audiences. I've managed million dollar budgets, led large marketing teams, and generated seven figure contracts for my clients. On this show, I talk to other boss babes as we figure out how to have more pleasure, ease, and abundance in our lives, which is so, so necessary. Today, you'll meet Kia Miller, who is a counsel with the Department of Veterans Affairs, certified equal employment opportunity investigator, and a breast cancer pre-viver. In this episode, we talk about what it takes to become and work as a lawyer, and more importantly, I believe, we delve into her breast cancer pre-viver journey. We talk about how to cope with, with grief, how to find strength in unexpected places. It's a very touching and emotional episode, but I also hope that it delivers inspiration to you because... I cried, I'm not even gonna lie, somebody was cutting onions while we were filming. Hi, Kia, welcome to the show. Hey, Debbie, thank you so much for having me. So I know you, I'm very familiar with you over the past 20, almost 20 years. But for folks who don't know you, tell us who you are, what you do, all that good stuff. Hi, okay, Um, my name is Kia. I'm an attorney. Um, I live here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, I grew up in a small town called Hiddenite, North Carolina that no one has ever heard of. Um, But yeah, I spend my days working uh, for the Department of Veterans Affairs and I love what I do. Well, tell me about how your career started, like, and how it's developed over the years. Obviously, as a lawyer, there's a, a path <laughs> to get to being a lawyer. How how did that start? How did it go? Tell me about that process. Um, well, if I'm honest, right after I graduated from law school, my career path was not um, ideal. Um, the economy was just not great. It was really hard to find jobs. So I ended up doing contract work, or most attorneys would call it document review work, for almost five years. And that was just not what I had planned or had in mind because there's a, a bit of a stigma when it comes to that because you know a lot of attorneys might think it's not a real job. But um, so after I did that for five years, I ended up moving to DC and I got a job with um, a company that had created an e-discovery platform. And so I did that for a year. What does that mean? So that e-discovery platforms, so a lot of large lawsuits 
and this relates back to document review, there's just a lot of files and documents to go through. So they create these platforms where everything can be uploaded electronically. You can review it, tag it with, you know, like relevancy, uh, what's privileged, things like that. So this company I had worked for for a year in DC had created a platform to, to handle those types of cases. Um, so then after that, I ended up getting a job with the Social Security Administration. And then I was there for a year. And then I ended up going over to um, the Board of Appeals with the Department of Veterans Affairs. And that's where I've been since 2016. Okay. What does your work actually entail? Like, What is the day-to-day like? Yeah. So with the Board of Appeals, the what I do is I essentially write decisions determining whether or not a veteran who has applied for disability benefits is going to receive them or not. Um, so I spend my days going through case files for veterans, looking through all of their medical documents and their military personnel uh, documents and just, you know, seeing if what they're saying, you know, what particular ailment they're saying was related to their time in the military service. If based on the facts and the law, they are you know, deserving of or should be awarded disability benefits. So I spend my days writing here at home because I get to work remotely. So that just seems like such a heavy burden like that, like making those Mm -hmm. determinations on a day to day basis. How do you like how do you find balance? That, That seems like such a serious thing to do every day. Like, how do you find balance between doing that very serious work and like just staying sane in a pandemic. Oh, child. Um, I think for me, I kind of always knew that I was going to end up where I wanted to be in some type of job that allowed me to be a public servant. Um, so for me, it feels like an honor to get to be the person who goes through these files and and gives these veterans an answer because sometimes it can take quite a long time. And I know that I'm going to be thorough. Um, so there, there, there have been a few files where I, I still remember certain things, um, you know, of what, you know, they went through during wartime or afterwards, you know, there are a lot of veterans who are suffering with PTSD. So there are some times that it, it does, you know, stick out to me and it lingers, but mostly it just feels, it just feels like a privilege. Um, that's how I view it. I, I don't, I don't find it to be burdensome or too heavy mm. at all. So That's beautiful. Um, so I know a little bit about your law school journey. Um, do you have any advice or lessons for prospective law school students who, you know, might be considering law as a career? Oh, goodness. <laughs> be very sure that it's what you want to do um, because yeah. law school is probably one of the hardest things I've ever done in life. It's just, mm-hmm. it was very intense. It was stressful. Um So you just, you need to be sure about that. And I'll even speak to afterwards, you know, I took the bar exam for the first time and I didn't pass and you would have thought that the world was coming to an end. And so I'm Mm. 10 years out from that now, but in the moment it felt like the biggest thing that could ever happen to me. But now I realize, you know, it's okay. Like you're not going to be perfect at everything. There are going to be times that you know, you're disappointed in, you know, your performance or your yourself and like how something turns out, but it doesn't mean you're a failure. It doesn't mean that mm-hmm. you're not worthy or it doesn't mean that you've made a wrong choice. Like 
because were, there was a moment where I was like, should I have even tried to be a lawyer? Because I, you know, failed the bar. But you try again. Mm. You just got to, I think you just need to be sure that it's what you want and that you're not going to give up on it. Yeah. What, how does the culture of law contribute to those feelings of feeling like a failure? Do you, do you think it's more internal? Do you think it's systemic? Like, what's the root of, of those feelings? Oh, goodness. That's, that's a heavy question. <laughs> so even in law school, it's just so competitive. And mm-hmm. at least in my experience, and I think a lot of attorneys would agree, like you're, you're taught to believe that you need to be on top. And if you're not, then you're, you're less mm-hmm. than. And, um, but the reality is, and, but so many people can possibly be on top. Like there's just not room for everybody. Right. Everybody can't be number one, right? Right. They, Based on math. Okay, do the math. It's not math. <laughs> and then just like the type of jobs that you're supposed to, supposed to, you know, get, you're supposed to want to work in big law firm. At least that's what they kind of push on you. Um, get mm-hmm, a big, mm-hmm. uh, a, an attorney job or, you know, associate job in a big firm and make all the money that's not going to be the case for everybody. And that's okay. Right. Um, and, and yeah. I, you know, I never had that experience of working in um, a law firm and, you know, doing billable hours. You know, I'm sure you've, mm-hmm. we have other friends who have that experience and they can tell you firsthand just how stressful that is. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know. It just, I guess it's cyclical, cyclical, right? So you, in, in law school, you're taught mm-hmm. to, you know, shoot for number one, you need to be the the best, you need to do all this. Then you get out and you become an attorney and you're on that same, like, I don't know, hamster wheel in a sense. And it just keeps right. going. I don't know what would break that cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that makes me think about um, the mental health toll. Cause you know, I was married to someone who's a doctor and we have a lot of lawyers in our space and just like the stats on like the mental health toll relationship toll in relationships, in friendships, families where doctors and lawyers are, how do you, like, what What are some of your, like, go-to mental health practices and self-care practices to, to balance some of the, the stress? <laughs> therapy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Plus okay. one for therapy. Everybody get a therapist. Everybody needs to go to therapy. <laughs> Seriously, I wish I had started going to therapy 10 years before I actually did. Like, I should have been in therapy in law school. Um Cause it's just, I should have been in therapy as a kid. Okay. <laughs> it's just a lot to navigate. <laughs> this is yeah. life is, life is interesting. So, um, so for me, yeah, therapy. And of course, like I, I mentioned, I, I can't say that I've had that, that stressful associate attorney lifestyle. I've never experienced that. So I, I guess a benefit of working for the government is it is a little less stressful. I, I do know that my day mm. is going to end around 6, 6.30. Um, and at that, I'm only working four days a week. So, okay. okay. Sounds like you went in to me. I, I mean, it, it feels like a win to me as well. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, because I, I mean, it's what I want to do. It's what I enjoy doing. So, yeah. uh, just yeah. the working for the government has definitely been a great way to balance out like my work and my, you know, regular life. Um, mm-hmm. But I believe your question was, how do I, how else do I? Yeah. Like, so any self-care practices that you recommend? I mean, obviously we said therapy. Yeah. Um, but how else do you pour into yourself? Um, well, some of this probably came up during the pandemic and not necessarily related to work, but just 
you know, you're here alone and you can't see your friends and you start to realize like, I'm feeling a little bummy. <laughs> I'm not really doing much with myself. So I started a skincare routine. I just, I, I just love going through that every day. Something about it feels yeah. relaxing. Um, waking up every morning and putting on earrings. Like it's small, but it just makes me feel a little more yep. uh, human, especially since I do work from home full time alone. Um, what else do I do? Oh, I like to put on perfume every day. Just a nice little yes. <laughs> way to make myself. You're smelling like a rich lady around the house. <laughs> <laughs> it smells like luxury in here yeah. in these sweatpants. Exactly. I might be in these same leggings from two days ago, but it's fine. I smell good. All right. That's fine. I smell great. Yeah. And then just other little things like um, taking myself out for little adventures or little dates. Um, like I'll go to the ballet or go see a show or go to the museum, small things like that, just to, you know, keep a little bit of pleasure in my life. I love that. I love that. And that's one thing, that's one thing I'll say about Kia Miller. <laughs> she gonna take herself out. I'm gonna go okay? somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you go somewhere. <laughs> you are going somewhere in all the okay. ways, sis. <laughs> I want to I want to shift gears a little bit. Um, I know I've been privy to your pre-viver journey, mm-hmm. and that was something that I had to learn as you were going through it. So, what is a pre-viver? And uh, talk to me about your your experience with that. Okay, um, I'm sure there's a more official definition out there, but from what I understand and what I've learned, a pre-viver is someone who has a genetic disposition uh, for cancer. And and I, and I believe pre-viver applies to someone who has not yet made a decision to maybe reduce that risk of getting cancer and someone who has, you know, undergone like a surgical procedure to reduce the risk. So mm-hmm. that's a pre-viver. Okay. And... Talk to me about your pre-viver experience. Sure. So um, it all started in, I believe it was 2018. I was just at a annual gynecologist appointment and um, I was paired with a doctor I hadn't been with before. And she was just looking through my chart and she saw my family history of uh, breast cancer. And she was like, oh, have you ever had genetic testing done? And I was like, no, I don't know what that is. And she was like, well, given the the amount of cancer on both sides of your family. Um, we should probably get a test done. We'll just see what the results are. And I was like, okay, fine. Um, I didn't even think much about it. So then a few weeks later, the test results come back and I was positive for a gene called PALB2. And so that basically means that um, I have a genetic mutation that predisposes me to breast cancer, ovarian cancer, and pancreatic cancer. But for us, mm. um, us me, myself and my doctor, we were mostly concerned with the breast cancer because my mom has had it twice and it has just been all up and through my, my dad's side of the family. So um, basically the decision at that point was to monitor every six months. And that would mean uh, alternating between an MRI or a, mamma, a mammogram every six months for the rest of my life is basically what it was going to mean. And so um, I did that for a couple of years. Um, I started while I was still living, you know, um, in the DMV area. Then when I moved to Raleigh, I got paired with a doctor at the UNC Breast Cancer Clinic. And she just mm-hmm. spoke to me a little more about the, the option of 
having the surgery, just doing the pre preventive double mastectomy. And I had to sit with it for a moment because I'm like, that's a big deal. Like, um, I think at the time I was 30, 35, 36. And, um, mm -hmm. but I decided I would rather do that because going every six months to get an MRI or a mammogram and just waiting to see if this is going to be the one where the cancer is there, I just couldn't, it just felt like it was too heavy. It was too much anxiety. So mm -hmm. I made the choice to schedule the surgery and just have my breasts removed and essentially cut my risk of breast cancer down to less than 5% at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And you were there the whole time from the very beginning to the end. <laughs> I yeah. was. Um, and honestly, it was a it was an honor and a privilege to support you. Let me get my tissue. No, because these eyes so... <laughs> are playing with me. <laughs> I'm not. I'm up. trying not to. I'm not. Lock, <laughs> shut it down. Yeah. It's okay. I get it though. It was a lot. It is a lot. I mean, and I know it was a lot for you. Um, if you feel comfortable sharing, like just some of the feelings, emotions, fears that you had during that time, because I, I mean, I, obviously as black women, breast cancer is rampant in our community and our rates of, of death and severe illness are a lot higher than our white counterparts. And so just talk to me about like the emotional toll um, and the emotional journey of that experience. Yeah. So you're exactly right about, uh, you know, black women and their breast cancer risk. And so one of the things that I noticed when I was just hunting for information and other people who had made the decision to have a preventive surgery, I didn't see a lot of black and brown women on, on mm -hmm. any more on social media platforms, you know, there were a few, um, and I was grateful to find them, but mostly it, it was white women. So that just made me wonder if black women are even know if they even know to consider genetic testing um mm -hmm. even for myself you know at the point that this particular doctor recommended it to me i had been giving the same family history for almost 10 years and nobody had ever said anything mm -hmm. so it kind of made mm -hmm. me wonder you know i'm paired with this new doctor she happens to be a woman of color is that why it even mm -hmm. happened is that why she even mm -hmm. suggested it mm -hmm. um so the emotional journey I, I won't say it was easy deciding to, to have the surgery, but of everything that came after, that was probably the easiest part because the anticipation and just the the waiting for the surgery dates, I have never felt crazier <laughs> in my life. Like I was so anxious because I'd never had a surgery before. Uh, my biggest fear was dying under anesthesia, trying to prevent a disease I don't have yet. And just yeah. that, that was in, like a, in a loop in my head that I just kept having to like get over um, again and again. Yeah. Um, and then just knowing the emotional toll it took on my loved ones, um, you know, it just, I think it was just scary for all of us, honestly, um, having to be vulnerable enough to ask people, will you come help me? Because, you know, after the surgery, mm -hmm. I couldn't be alone and I needed people to physically be here in my home and help take care of me. That was a lot for me. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't need help. Like, that's weird. <laughs> but I did. <laughs> um, and so, yeah. Um, and obviously, you know, because you, you planned it, you know, 
when you when you guys took me to the mountains for that uh like little getaway before the surgery like I cannot tell you how much I needed that like just to have the weekend with my girls to cry about the fact that I'm gonna lose my breasts at you know 36 years old I didn't see that coming um and I fully recognize it's a privilege to even be able to choose to do it before diagnosis but it was just it was difficult it's a choice I wish nobody ever had to make but um you know everything went perfectly like with all the surgeries there nothing there were no issues whatsoever um it was hard to see myself immediately afterwards um mm. when I tell you like the first time that I I saw uh that they were gone I almost passed out like my mama had to go get a cold mm. cloth and <laughs> I couldn't hear yeah. and I couldn't see like it was just that wow. traumatic um yeah but you know that I just had to remember like this was just part of the the process like this is what it's gonna look like now but it's not mm -hmm. what they're gonna look like forever right um and ultimately right. just you know with being able to just talk about it with my sister my friends and in therapy um mm -hmm. we we got through it <laughs> so yeah it's okay now yeah i think what's interesting about your journey um and we've talked about this before in our friend group <laughs> for a variety of things is that grief like the way grief shows up as you you like you you think that and I, I think I mentioned this on the episode previously like you think that grief only shows up when you lose a loved one but grief shows up when your expectations of what would what could be or would be have to shift yes. has have to change like sometimes grief is just change management like what did you what did you learn about grief as part of this this process i'm so glad you mentioned that because like you before going through this and before it being pointed out to me in therapy i just would i only associated grief with death like i just didn't mm -hmm. know to think about how grief can be applicable to any life situation so yeah when i was in therapy uh it was a session where she I think I spent a lot of time crying in that particular session and she was like, it's okay, you're grieving. And it just, something about that clicked. Like, yeah, I'm grieving the loss of a body that I've always had. Uh, grieving the loss of a body part that I've always kind of really liked. I was like, I, I like my boobs. I didn't really want to lose them, <laughs> you know? Um, and, then, and then just, you know, I guess, yeah, just I just didn't see this coming. And it wasn't mm -hmm. part of the plan, <laughs> but if I've learned anything, these plans, what are plans? Because <laughs> life right. is no life. <laughs> it don't even matter what right. you think. Okay. You Stay life. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think just hearing my therapist say, or, or to, I guess, let me know that what I was feeling, what I was feeling was grief and feeling like mm -hmm. my, I guess being validated and feeling that way because there was even some guilt about getting to do this when others couldn't, others who actually had cancer, mm -hmm. it was too late. Yeah. People I know and love or people I don't, just all the women out there who, who didn't have the opportunity. Like, I don't know, I felt a little guilty about that, which sounds strange, but I can't make sense of the thoughts that, you know, were, that were rolling through my mind during that whole period. Um, so mm -hmm. yeah, just really understanding that it it was okay to grieve uh the physical loss and and 
just having to go through it at all. Like it, it felt like she gave me permission to feel how I was feeling. Yeah. What um, would you say was a source of strength during that period? I mean, you, you talked about a few things, therapy, friendship, relationships, but are there, were there other things that gave you strength uh, during that period? Um, well, first I have to say my sister, like, you know, I love my sister. Yes. <laughs> now I'm going to need a tissue. <laughs> but, <laughs> can I go get one? I'll be right back. Yes, go ahead. <laughs> this is real life right now. Okay. Okay, sorry. It's okay. You know, we be crying. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, because she had, it was a lot. You know, she's she's a wife, she's a mom. Um, and she yeah. has the same genetic mutation. So here she is watching me and listening to me go through all my fears and still showing up to support me. Um, even though this is her life too, essentially, you know? Yeah. And I feel like that was probably a lot. Um, but she would, she's just, a, she's just such a great person. You know her, you know that. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, she, just in general in life, like I, my sister is just, I get a lot of strength from her. She's the younger one, but like, if there's somebody I want to be when I grow up or be more like, it's her for sure. Yeah. She's very sage. Like she has a very sage yeah, energy very, to her. Her little mouse voice. <laughs> <laughs> so love her. And then of course you guys, you being you and my girlfriends, like, if there is something I I know for sure about this life, it is that <laughs> one of my biggest blessings has been my friends. Like y'all are just phenomenal human beings. And the way y'all just showed up and showed out for me, like y'all, y'all want, I, there's just no words. I can't even put into words what it meant. Like knowing that I had y'all support and y'all being there for me. It just meant a lot, and it always will. Um, yeah. What else did I gather strength from? I don't know. That's really probably it, just the people in my life. And, <laughs> yeah, again, I have to shout out therapy and just mm -hmm. being, yeah. you know, reassured that how I felt was okay. Like, that, that meant a lot mm -hmm. uh, to me is someone who often questions the validity of her feelings <laughs> like she needed to know yeah. in that moment that yeah. I'm that I you know that I'm not crazy like these are valid feelings like, mm -hmm. it's okay I mean it makes me wonder like cuz I do that a lot too like question I shouldn't feel this way like I sh I should be grateful yeah. like I should 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 like where does where do you think that comes from like legit question how like why are we like this? <laughs> Girl, I I can only attribute it to how we were raised. I mean, yeah. And that's no shade to my parents at all. Like I think, you know, they were doing what they were taught and a lot of times that mm -hmm. meant suck it up and go be happy mm -hmm. and nothing's wrong with you. <laughs> Go pray yeah. about it, you know, like mm -hmm. right. Just not really getting to always express yourself. I think will mm -hmm. cause you to question: Should you even feel that way? And then 
can you tell somebody about it? Like, can you let, like, is it okay to share that? Like, no, because you're supposed to, you know, be a certain way. So, Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's worth acknowledging, you know, obviously we live in the South. Mm -hmm. Um, We're Black women. We are a result of a legacy of slavery and uh, systemic injustices. And I, I do think when we, when I compare my plight to the plight of my great-grandmother, my grandmother, my mother, my great-great-grandmother, great-great-great-grandmother who was a slave. Like, I don't really yeah. have too much to complain right. about. But in, you know, 21st century, as a Black woman, as a professional, we, we have our own burdens to carry. Yeah. And so I think we do ourselves a disservice if, if we can, if if we continue to compare our plight our plight to the folks who came before us and one thing that particularly stands out for me is the idea of pleasure ease and abundance like those are like that's part of the hey awesome girl framework i try to like model my business and my life to get closer to just having more pleasure ease and abundance and i know a hundred percent like my great grandma won't think about no pleasure ease and abundance she was trying to stay alive trying to keep food on the table, trying to keep these kids safe, um, trying to deal with the the racist and gendered financial woes of the, the 20th century. Yeah. I think there's just so, there's so much layering there, but I, I do want to just like highlight for this group, like pleasure is an abundance in your life. Key, I know we talked a little bit about self-care, but how are you, how are you cultivating pleasure, ease, and abundance in your life? Either one or multiple of those things. Like, what does that look like for okay. you? Before I answer that, though, it just occurred to me how how wild it is that our baseline for compares, comparing whether our feelings are valid is slavery. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, we should not even... <laughs> so even, and yeah. even though I completely... But that's the legacy right, exactly. of it, though, like, right? Like, we weren't we weren't people right. like our feelings weren't valid <laughs> i don't know just for the first time i was like yeah mate that's we should not even have to have that comparison because it should not have been a thing but anyway um <laughs> yeah. how am i cultivating ease right. and pleasure um again i'll i guess relate this back to the beginning of the pandemic um when we you know were told like to avoid going to the stores and like ordering your groceries and stuff i haven't stopped i've been ordering my groceries for two years now like and i will <laughs> it's nice it's so i love nice. it <laughs> like, run me my food yeah, like i will be completely free and could very well go to the grocery store i'm not going <laughs> i'm gonna put it in the app and i'm gonna let somebody else do it because i would rather sit here and i don't know watch tv because i need to rest and relax you know what i'm saying yes outsourcing exactly yes so we're outsourcing still and we don't plan to stop um <laughs> another thing so um as someone who so in addition to my my regular job with uh, the va i also do you know some contract work on the side with eeo uh, claims and so, and can you explain that for folks who don't? Oh, know? sorry. So EEO equal um, equal employment opportunity. Yes. So um, I've been a certified investigator for a few years now, and I also um, write final agency de- decisions regarding EEO claims. And that's when someone is alleging discrimination based on like sex, race, age, some other categories. 
Um, so between that and my normal work, I can very well get caught up in just working all the time because there's always something to do. Um, so mm -hmm. I had put in my calendar, like once a week, I do something to just get away from my laptops. And if it's just sitting yeah. on the t on the couch and just watching a movie, just making sure I carve out some time to get away from these screens because I will feel like mm -hmm. I have to work all the time if I don't do that. Um, taking walks. Now, in the last few weeks, I haven't been as good about that, but like I try to get outside and get some sun and take my walks. And I just find that that, you know, is I think just a healthy way to live in general, um, just to mm -hmm. be outdoors for a little while more often. So I guess those are some of the ways awesome. I'm bringing some pleasure and ease in my life. I love that. I love that. <laughs> what are you looking forward to over the next 12 months? Well, um, well, you know, I bought a house, so I'm waiting for that. <laughs> it won't be ready until. Oh, wait, hold on, hold on, hold okay. on. It's giving, it's giving Oprah. <laughs> I also got this one for you. Come on, <laughs> I cannot with you. I have too much. <laughs> I have too much fun with these things. Okay, mm -hmm. buy the house. Yeah, yeah. buy the house, um, but it'll be some months before it's ready. But in the meantime, my goal and my idea is to do some traveling. Well, as you know, we're taking a big trip to Greece. <laughs> can't, okay. can't wait for, you know, you know, I can't do that. You're always just showing off with your little tongue pop. <laughs> One day. Now I got that black girl, Jean. You missed me. Um, so, <laughs> um, but so aside from the, the trip to Greece, um, I want to try to do some more traveling just around the country, just to see some cities I've always wanted to go to. Um, mm -hmm. So that's really all that's coming up. Um, over the next year. Um, and then I've been thinking, I was just talking to a friend the other day about cutting back on some of the work I do, uh, at least the contract side of things. Just, mm. you know, uh, just getting a little, a little tired. <laughs> so I'm just, it's, yeah. it's got me wondering, like, maybe it's time to reel back and, you know, reassess. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's what the, the year ahead is looking like for me. I love it. I look, I look forward to being a spectator and in some ways a participant. Of course. So, yeah. Thank you so much for joining me today. Where can folks find you online if they want to learn more about you, follow your, your uh, pre-viver journey? I am on LinkedIn under my name, Kia Miller. And you can find me on Instagram at Kia Faye. That's K-E-I-A-F-A-Y-E. -E. So that's where I am. Awesome. And we will add links to those profiles in the description for this show below. Thank you so much for joining me today, Kia. It's always, you know, it's always a pleasure always, for me to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I will see you next time. Thank you so much for watching this episode. I hope you found it as touching as I did. 
Uh, a few things of note, we talked to Kia about being a breast cancer previvor and what that means. We talked to her about surviving law school and being a lawyer and how sometimes your expectation of your career doesn't always match what it ends up being, but sometimes that can be a very, very beautiful thing. We also talked about unconventional self-care tips. I love some of the things that Kia shared, and I hope that you'll consider incorporating some of those ideas or other ideas into your self-care practice, because as you know, pleasure, ease, and abundance definitely matters to us at Hey Awesome Girl, and it's part of our mission. And so I'm going to continue, continue, continue to remind you to incorporate those things into your life. Once again, I'm Tibby Jones, founder and CEO of the creative studio, Hey Awesome Girl, recording from my home office. As a reminder, Hey Awesome Girl's social mission is to celebrate and empower women, especially women of color. We believe digital entrepreneurship is a resource to increase confidence, close racial and gender wealth gaps, and provide a means of freedom for women all over the world. Because as we like to say, empowered women empower women, and that's exactly what we're trying to do with this show. Until the next episode comes out, please go to our website, heyawesomegirl.com to join our email list and to learn about all our special resources and goodies and extras that we provide only to people who sign up on our email list. Don't forget to be kind to yourself. Please take care of yourself. And until I see you next time, please don't forget to be awesome. So it's me again, just jumping back on to share a special resource with you. So I know I talk a lot about our pleasure, ease, and abundance framework that we use at Hey Awesome Girl, but maybe you aren't quite sure what that means and how you can incorporate that into your life. Well, we have a free resource for you that can help with that. It's our pleasure, ease, and abundance playbook. In this playbook, I outline the nine elements of pleasure, ease, and abundance you need to consider to help you create a life that is fun, fabulous, and free. I walk you through journal prompts, I share resources, and give you some actionable steps you can take to get you further away from stress, exhaustion, and being broke. To download this free playbook, go to heyawesomegirl.com framework, enter your email address, and we'll send it right over to you. That's heyawesomegirl.com slash framework to download your free playbook today. Hey, awesome girl. I'm Kia Miller. I I should not be on television. Okay, we're going to do this one more time. <laughs>